to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most. Friends, Torch Report 311, our fascinating cultural revolution on a fan-fabulous, fantastic Friday. We will be examining the connection between today's headlines, which are maddening and twisted and sickening and all that, and and history's painful lessons. That's what we're going to be talking about because it is indeed fascinating to me that uh, that's the word ultimately that comes to mind when I took a look at the headlines this morning. We're just going to kind of bounce through a few of them here and then dive into it and, and, and then get a little bit deep. We're going to get a little bit deep today. Okay, so here's a couple of headlines that stood out to me. Putin's transformation of society is in overdrive. <gasps> Whoa, Putin's transformation of society is in overdrive. Oh, my gosh, you know. And then how about this one? Biden's shock and awe is failing to stop. What is it? What is it? Biden's shock and awe. There's nothing shocking or awing about Biden. I don't know, whatever, you know. How about the Pentagon's threat to China over arming uh, Russia? You know, there oh, so the Pentagon's going to threaten China because we are in such a strong position to fight wars all across the world right now. Uh, meanwhile, communist jet fighters are stepping up pressure on U.S. aircraft. Oh, my gosh, it's the commies. You know, we got we'll, <laughs> it is the commies. The commies are taking over the world. But the way that they're they're projecting this out there, it's the communist jet fighters uh, as if the communists are an external threat, not an internal threat. That's the point there. And of course, Zelensky is vowing a year of victory. Wow. He's so inspiring. Zelensky's vowing a year of victory. He just has to get everybody else's money and military equipment and soldiers out there to do it. You know, if he could just get some some uh, some airplanes to go with his new tanks and all of his fancy new drones and all that, then he might be able to defeat the evil Russia, Russian tyrant. Now, these headlines were all top of page at the Drudge Report this morning. And I've commented uh, previously that Drudge used to be a kind of right-leaning libertarian outlet that was all about slaying the political establishment. Uh, Drudge actually broke some honest news back in the day, but that was years ago. And since, you know, several years back, you know, Drudge veered hard left and has just been kind of spewing deep state propaganda ever since then. And of course, I, I feel like it's a really important observation uh, that Drudge pivoted, and I, I'm certainly not the only one who noticed that. But even though you know every you know, not a lot, but a, a good amount of people realized, wait a second, this guy is changing the tune here. The story, the feel, the flavors changed, and there are other alternatives out there now that uh, that rival the Drudge Report. But what I want to focus on here is the key fact that not that many. You know, uh, the majority of people did not notice that transition, right? A lot of people didn't realize that Drudge used to be right-leaning and now it's very left-leaning, okay? And it's very similar to how many self-described liberals are, you know, now they're demanding that we support and stand in solidarity with Ukraine. They haven't noticed that now they are feeding the deep state war machine, the military industrial complex. You know, the left is out there demanding that we save ourselves from misinformation by by, you know, demanding state sanctioned censorship. It, it seems like it's completely incongruent with the values that the left used to hold dear. But that's happened. And I believe this demonstrates how remarkably pliable the human mind really is. 
our beliefs can, you know, suddenly shift to almost an exactly opposite stance with an equally sincere conviction. And there's really no accounting for this, you know, kind of the split personality behavior aside from it's part of the human condition. Uh, and then I would say if we understand psychological warfare, uh, menticide and, and that kind of stuff, then we have a, a better understanding of why. And of course, the astute listening audience here uh, listening to yours truly I know we've talked a lot about that. So I want to just quote George Orwell here because George Orwell, I think, really cuts to the chase. And he says, whatever the party holds to be the truth is truth. It is impossible to see reality except by looking through the eyes of the party. End quote. Of course, that's coming out of 1984. And doesn't that account for how liberals are now supporting the war machine? You know, it. It plays on both sides of the aisle. If you think about the two-party system and the two-party platforms, you know, if you're a Republican, you have to believe, you know, what the Republicans say. And if you're a Democrat, you have to believe what the commies say, uh, <laughs> the Democrats say. But it, ultimately, it's the party. And people develop their belief system and see life through the beliefs based on what the party tells them. You know, and that's uh, I, I really have a lot of respect for George Orwell. I feel like he's a genius. You know, his, his insights were prescient back then, and they are highly relevant to our current situation. And I want to share a few more quotes from Orwell here today, and we're going to get into a little bit of history. But think about these quotes and how they apply to our present situation, okay? Orwell says, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. I'll say it again. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. End quote. Now, uh, if you've been with me for a while or you've studied communism, then you know that this, you know, this is a tenant straight out of the Communist Manifesto, which is not a coincidence because it was communism that Orwell was warning us about. And the commie tactics that he's warning us about, they're timeless and they're tested and they're true and they are working their dark magic, their dark commie magic on Americans' minds right this very moment. It's happening right before our eyes. And as I've said many times, we must be, be willing to call it out for what it is. Now, another quote here from George Orwell's 1984. He says, quote, war is peace, freedom is slavery, and ignorance is strength. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. End quote. Does that not sum up our current public sentiment. If you were just like, you know, kind of take a broad spectrum survey, uh, uh, survey of American sentiment right now, you know, we have to go to war against the evil Russian tyrants, you know, and those shysters in the CCP. We got to fight them all because that's the only way we can have peace is war, war, war. We must submit ourselves to the constant inescapable surveillance state. We must submit to the restrictions on what we can or cannot say or do or where we can go and who we can see. You know, we must submit to mandatory testing and, and experimental injections and the utter destruction of our culture and our way of life because that's freedom. And that's how we can protect democracy. Freedom is slavery. War is peace. Those who accept these lies are ignorant and blind. But my friends, 
It is this collective ignorance that is their source of strength. There is, in fact, power in numbers. Mob rule, baby. That's what the commies are after. That's why they have to, the first step in the communist revolution is to win the battle of democracy. Now, third quote here from Orwell, and then we'll kind of move on a little bit. Uh, But Orwell says this. He says, quote, power is in tearing human minds into pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. End quote. Power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. Friends, I read those words and it just kind of stings. It's true. It's happening right in front of our eyes, is it not? Is this not an accurate portrayal of the public mindset? I mean, we've seen it happen. It's happening on a massive scale. Thanks to COVID, it's coming to light for a lot of people. Uh, But thanks to the fusion between proven mind control techniques and modern technologies like weaponized AI and algorithmic social interventions, you know, we're seeing this happen. They're tearing people's minds to pieces and putting them back together however the hell they feel is going to best suit the moment. That's how they're controlling emerging public perceptions, friends. It's disturbing. But again, the genius of George Orwell was rooted in his accurate reflection upon reality. He was just like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, he was able to observe and deduce and then put into words what was happening in the world around him by reflecting on his words. Now we can better understand what's happening in the world around us. And beyond that, friends, we too have the power of observation. We can observe and deduce. We can ruminate and muse, and we can develop our own rendition of reality, right? We can discern the distinction between fact and fiction, truth and lies. We can discern the distinction between our thoughts and actual reality. It's true that we can do that. But of course, it's easier said than done. <laughs> if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And we realize that most people have been fleeced and they've accepted this fleecing because it's just uh, human nature to do so. Now, what stood out to me in those first five headlines was that they were projecting the opposite of reality. Orwell talks a lot about double thinking this and that, you know, but, but the transformation of society is in overdrive. But it's not Putin that's pushing the transformation of society. It's a sock puppet in the Oval Office doing the bidding bidding of the global cabal in cahoots with their innumerable public-private partnerships and global NGOs. You know, they're the ones who have openly declared the intent to fundamentally transform our world and we're in this incredible transition and all that. Putin, the evil Russian tyrant, you know, Putin, if anything, he's trying to conserve his world. Perhaps he's even attempting to roll back time and reclaim the way that it was. But certainly, he's not pushing for the global transformation of society. That's the global cabal. But they project that onto Putin. Okay, And regardless, ultimately, of you know your take on Ukraine, I've told you what I think. I've written a 10-, 15-page report about it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I understand some people have, have a different take on what's going on over there, depending on your news source, depending on how long you've been listening, how long you've been questioning the narrative. But just notice how the propaganda 
is projecting the intent to transform society upon the evil Russian tyrant. Uh, upon the character, the masses have been trained to loathe. That's key. Uh, it, it's like hate week, right? We got to hate the enemy. We got to hate the evil Russian tyrant. And so they're projecting the intent of what they're actually doing to transform society, which is to destroy all existing aspects of society. They're projecting that onto the evil Russian tyrant, the character that everybody's been trained and conditioned to loathe. And if you contrast that with Biden's shock and awe, you know, Biden's shock and awe, you know, what the hell Biden's shock and awe? I must have missed that one somewhere along the way. I mean, when he was shuffling around and falling up and down the stairs and can't thread it, when, when was he shocking and awing anybody? I'm not real sure. But when I see those words shock and awe, I realize that these words are intended to invoke national support for the military dynasty that sought to rout out the non-existence weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, right? It was shock and awe. Oh, George W. Bush, shock and awe, right? And by golly, you know, a lot of people rallied. We rallied in the wake of 9-11. We rallied behind the shock and awe and going to war against the radical, you know, Muslim terrorists and all that. Okay, okay. Now, in a different time, in a different light, we can go back and look at those things and maybe come to slightly different conclusions. Like all that shock and awe didn't actually uh, prove, you know, there was no, there were no weapons of mass destruction. Anyway, a lot of questions there, but ultimately to see those words out there in the headlines today, again, it's invoking that same support, the same level of emotions, because those words have been conditioned along with so many other words. They have long been conditioned to evoke a particular pattern of public response. And the power of this lies in the fact that they, they, these, uh, these patterns are predictable because human behavior is predictable, right? Just as Zelensky, the comedian schmuck turned globalist puppet vows a year of victory, you know, as the U.S. deep state boldly threatens China, you know, we're supposed to be dazzled by the resilience, the strength, the moral imperative of the Western alliance. Friends, it's all lies, 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 I tell you. But just like Orwell said, whatever the party says is the truth, that's the truth, you know, and you'd be damned <laughs> if you were trying to come up with any other truth. You're not really supposed to be thinking for yourself, don't you know? Thinking for yourself is dangerous. And because you might, you know, you're probably just parodying Russian propaganda or misinformation. You know, you're not really smart enough to think for yourself, Luke. You know, you're not really qualified to have your own opinion, peasant. You're not really allowed to question the narrative or challenge the state because if you do, you are a threat. You, my friends, are a threat just by the very virtue of being a curious peasant. <laughs> but in the broadest sense, your individuality is a threat to the collective. Each time you think for yourself, each time you question the narrative, each time you do not comply, you know, each time you make your own personal choice and chart your own personal course, then you are a threat to the collective. And that is ultimately a threat to the state. Uh, at least to the notion of the supremacy of the state, right? If you, if you make your own decision, I'm going to do things my way. Da, 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 that means the state can't just tell you what to do. By acting out of your volition, you shatter the illusion that we're all just cattle. We are mere hackable animals who are meant to be slaves. That's what they say. That's how, that's what they call us. But when we act, uh, 
out of our own volition, when we make our own choices, when we question the narrative, when we think for ourselves, when we choose not to comply, we shatter that illusion. Okay, we're not slaves. We are free and independent human beings. We are remarkable cosmic creatures with phenomenal cosmic powers. You know, I can manifest my heart's desire in the material world. I can build things. I can fix stuff. I can do things, whatever the hell I want to do. And there's nobody on planet Earth that can stop me. Well, except for maybe my wife. <laughs> I'm just joking, friends. I, I'm, uh, I, I get excited about the potential and the power of choice. Because if, if we help people realize the power of their own choice with every breath and every heartbeat, there's a, the power of choice beating within us. That's a very empowering idea. And that helps people shake free of the illusion that the state has control over their lives, which they do not. That's based on the most dangerous superstition, not to be confused with the most filthy superstition, which is that vaccines are save lives, safe and effective. The most dangerous superstition, Larkin Rose, that's the title of a book. The most dangerous superstition is that any human being has authority over another. That anybody has the right to tell you what you can and cannot do or stick a needle in your arm or cover your face. Okay, We're not meant to be slaves. We're born free. And it's that insatiable urge to express ourselves as free human beings that communism seeks to suffocate, stifle, and steal away from you. Anyway, friends, if you challenge the narrative, like I'm saying, you know, you're a threat. Right. More specifically, if you, for example, if you offer proof that masks don't work, if you question the validity of vaccines or point out that the latest studies show a disastrous 57 57 fold increase in miscarriages among vaccinated women, if you were to women, if you were to point that out, then you'd be a threat. Similarly, uh, if you shine light on the fact that there have long been a group of radical environmentalists who will stop at nothing to depopulate the earth, or that currently, right now, as of today, there are crackpot scientists out there declaring the need for global food rationing, global fuel rationing, we have to ration the food and the fuel to save the planet. If you point that out, then you are a threat. You know, in a darker vein, friends, if you were to point out the bizarre coincidence that a billionaire financier, Thomas Lee, who just so happened to be a friend of, uh, of the Clintons, he just committed suicide. And that coincidentally happened just days after the news broke about the top secret, I'm sorry, top Clinton advisor, Mark Middleton, being found hung from a tree with an extension cord around his neck. And, you know, how about five Arkansas-based environmental consultants dying in a plane crash shortly after taking off from the Bill and Hillary Clinton National Airport? You know, what a coincidence. But if you point those out, you're a threat. The point, my friends, is this. If you do or say anything that might accidentally cause an individual to wake up to the seriousness of our current situation, if you say or do anything that might cause somebody to become aware of the shocking degree of corruption and the breathtaking insanity of it all, then you are a threat. That means you're thinking for yourself. It means you haven't been assimilated into the collective. And the success of the global cabal is predicated upon that assimilation into the collective, predicated upon mass psychosis, upon subconscious taming, and upon conditioned apathy. Anything that challenges their agenda is a threat to peace and stability. Now, let's zoom out. Zoop! Holy smokes. I just looked at the clock. Holy smokes, it's almost 20 minutes. We're going to go a little bit long today. And friends, you may have to put a survey out there and ask, is 25 minutes too long or do we prefer 20? I don't know. I, I do wonder. So if you're listening and you'd like to let me know, Luke, 20 minutes is nice. 25 is too long. Let me know. I, I'm going to see about putting a poll out there. I haven't done that yet, but I want to get into the, this little bit of history here uh, about 
30 million people dying. Okay? It's a mystery. <laughs> Why? Why did 30 million Chinese die between the years 1960 and 1962? You know, the 1960s, 62, we had, you know, more or less modern medicine and modern convenience, you know. So why did 30 million Chinese die in that period of time? I mean, given the fact between 1960 and 1962, when those 30 million Chinese died, Mao Zedong, you know, he was a beloved national hero. He was a true champion of the people. And under his revolutionary leadership, millions upon millions of peasants embraced the great leap forward. That was the slogan of the national campaign. And tens of thousands of trusted government officials were passionately dedicated to ushering the People's Republic of China through this incredible transition, through this fundamental transformation into a communist state. And of course, all that really took years. It was longer than 60 to 62. And 40 to 80 million people died from starvation and persecution in prison camps and public executions in the process. But it's fascinating, isn't it? Okay, so many people died in such a short amount of time. But Mao didn't kill all of those people. Even the government officials didn't kill all those people. I mean, they surely helped, you know, but they didn't kill them all. You know, instead, in essence, these people let themselves be killed. They were sacrificed for a cause, even though that cause was ultimately tyranny. They accepted the vision put out by the communist leaders and they starved to death because of it. Okay. They get, they forfeited the control to the centralized control of the state and they starved to death because of, because of it. And as people began to rise up, like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, I'm watching my neighbors fall over dead and starving over here. I'm seeing people get drug out in the street and shot. You know, I'm going to stand up against that. Well, then they had to come clamp down because that's a threat to peace and stability. That's a threat to democracy. Okay. Are there not lessons to learn here? Friends, can we not see the same patterns playing out in America today? Mao's success was built on the ideals of progress. That's why they called it the great leap forward. We're going to move forward. Yay. Okay. Future. You know, it was built on social education. It was built on family planning and, and central health care and women's right and equality and all this stuff, you know, as well as. The destruction of the old ways to make room for the new ways and the purging of capitalists and traditionalist dissenters. I mean, that had to happen too. millions upon millions of people died. But the commies still revered him. Such is the power of mind control. Such is the power of words. Such is the power of seductive lies. Such is the power of illusion, confusion and public delusions. Many, many people were witness to this terrible epic in history, if you think about it. A lot of people saw this happening in real time. They lived through it. People that are alive now live through it, and they'll live to tell about it. Many people watched as their loved ones wasted away in starvation, or as, again, as their neighbors were drug out of, and shot. You know, Many people saw what was happening, and they knew that it was wrong, but they did nothing. They did nothing, friends. They were scared. They were hungry. They wanted to believe in Mao. They needed to believe in the narrative that this progress was for the greater good, that all this collective sacrifice was for the greater good. You see, friends, the reality was just too harsh for them to face, and they simply refused to face it. And then immense suffering and millions upon millions of deaths ensued. And what? 
And now they live like slaves to this very day, friends. They live like slaves to this very day. And again, China's the role model for the world. You know, last quote here from Orwell, we do not merely destroy our enemies, we change them. Okay? People weren't just destroyed, they were changed to, to, to accept the tyranny. That's the most deep sort of tyranny, to be changed into an apathetic, complacent, domesticated schmuck, you know, a sheep. That's, yeah, it's demoralizing, it's dehumanizing, it's terrible, friends, but that's what's happening right now. So patriots, please take note. Resist, we must, and that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart, click that heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you had not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday afternoon. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.